0: Welcome to Progressive House UK with myself, Danny Jarvis. This show is called In Conversation With, where I take time to interview friends, DJs, promoters, people on the scene, and have a general conversation about the way things are today. The idea of the show is just that we do something different, add to the content we've already got on Progressive House UK, other than our mix shows and our guest mix shows, So, however you listen to your podcasts, at the gym, in the car, out and about, on a walk, we really hope you enjoy our conversation for now. As always, please do subscribe to our channel. So many people don't subscribe, but do listen, so please subscribe. And also, if you'd left us a review, that'd be fantastic. Be sure to find us on social media. Just search Progressive House UK on Instagram or on Facebook. And don't be scared to send us messages or leave comments and tell us what you think about our shows. This week, I am going to be interviewing Nasser Al-Azawi. He now currently resides in Cyprus, but has been a key part of the scene in Newcastle. He talks with me all things progress on events, genres, social media, early doors club, and all things Cyprus and living with a new baby. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the next hour in conversation with Nasser Al-Azawi. When I did events, I worked out quite quickly that you know, a bit like the joke, if I could write the theme tune, sing the theme tune, perform the theme tune, I didn't need to outlay any costs to get other people involved. So 20, 20, 24 years ago, whatever, when I was putting on events, I chose the safety in knowing that there was a large gathering. So something like um, the media event at uni would say, we need a DJ. I'd be like, right, we'll put on an event. So I've instantly got two, 300 people. Mm. Um, those amount of people, I know half of them come and see me when I'm a resident at a club each week. Do you know what, if I put on an event, do the flyers, do it all at the club that I know, this is a no brainer, I'm going I'm to do it. But mm. it was all about, you know, beating the, beating the pavement, going around, speaking to people, are you coming? That's all you had to do. You mm. wish forward now, you have to be a genius on social media, You have to understand marketing. You have to not only know people, but genuinely have a relationship with them. You you know, you don't as a 40 year old bloke. you have a job all week. People don't see each other for six months. When you're in the pockets of people all the time and you're in and out and you're seeing them socially, it's easy to say, oh, don't forget about Friday night, come on Friday night, blah, blah, blah. Also just the other factor was that you could put on a night and charge three quid and people would come and spend 20 and get all their drinks now. Obviously, the world is just totally different. So, I kind of never thought, right? I'm going to do. I'm going to do events. So, from your point of view, it you know refresh your story because you kind of went from small to then doing the events. You kind of went straight for that.
1: Mm. Well, with with our story, we never intended on doing uh, events. You know, when when we started progress on, there was like a three or four year run up to it. And uh, the short version of the story is I had a deaf neighbour when I bought my house in Newcastle. And then um, at the same time, it was like the universe was aligning things up because my friend needed to sell his Alan and Heath mixer and CDJ 1000s very quickly to get out of some you know debt with a, a, a landlord. And um, that got me suddenly into DJing, whereas I used to just listen to music. I hadn't even learned how to beat match before. <clears throat> so 10 years ago, nine years ago now, that happened. And then I would start to invite people round, you know, just, just every few months, it wasn't anything big and there was five of us, 10 of us, then we decided to name it. So it was in Denton burn in our house and we called it found Denton after the nightclub <laughs> foundation. I thought this is, you know, this is, this is, this is great because everybody who came kept coming from the last one and then they would bring someone that I hadn't seen for 12 years, you know, some, someone else. And, um, some people who were off social media, heard about it. They came and it became like on the last one we did. There was nearly 45 people, I think about 45 people, but had that scary thing where it's like our house, we just renovated it. 15 of them were strangers and I was like, are these going to trash our house or is it going to be yeah. sound? And it was sound, it was fine. But, you know, me and Sophie at that point were like, do we now stop doing it or go public or what? And then the deaf neighbour, actually, um, he was a really elderly man and sadly he passed away at exactly this point. And then some new neighbors bought the house and moved in and they could hear. So we couldn't do the parties anymore. I mean, we had big sounds. Game over. The house. Yeah, game <laughs> over. And it was like, you know, three or four months went by and everybody was saying, when are you going to do the next one? And I was like, what, what can we do? And it was, it, you know, we, we figured out we could hire the Telegraph Terrace, which is when you played. Um, you know, we, we, have, we had two of those outdoors in the Telegraph. And I thought, you know, 50 or 60 people are going to come. And on the first one, 180 people came and some of them were more people that had never come to the house that we remember from 10-15 years ago and then some of them were just because it was outdoors there was noise traveling up the street and people were just drawn to the beats so you know people came that way and uh and and it just kind of went from that and then we obviously once it got to autumn it was too cold to do them outside and I was always nervous about I'm quite risk averse because I know so many promoters people who are genuinely well intentioned you know have good intentions the higher cosmic ballroom or something for the first time and like 30 people turn up and they're like three grand down from booking good djs but they didn't know how to promote and i knew that i didn't know how to promote i just had the history so i would build it slowly and uh you know the the if you look at things like shindig shindig went through the old generation of clubbing um and then and then as it happened i think uh one of the owners is like a, a media agency anyway so like he, he knows this stuff like it's his job so he uh you know graphic design and how to market and marketing strategies and all when to post and what to post and do video clips and do this that and the other he knew when to do it and i i, I love what he's done because um he went from old to new and didn't su- didn't seem to suffer um in fact he did you know did very well with it and um that's one thing that every club that has done well has had is it is that they've had a strategy and they've executed it um and what i've always tried to do with progress on is like understand that the mark you know uh, funny enough uh, neil from uh, shindig told me this he said the thing with prog as a genre is he says i absolutely love prog absolutely love it but he says you're talking to about 500 people in the northeast who could potentially come out and of that about 100 or 200 might come and i i heard that quite late on like that was relatively recently that wasn't like uh, as i was building i didn't know this but i could feel that that was the case um <clears throat> and actually a lot of young people they just don't like prog but most of the clubbers out there are young people and that's the big challenge you've got so um so you know when when we went indoors uh, we stayed at like 100 120 capacity um and and it's slowly grown but even when we got anthony papa in which was like you while you were there it was an amazing event it was my favorite one um there was like 180 people came to that and that said it all because he's like up there with john Digweed and sasha to me you know he's he's, yeah he's he's he's
0: global global (laughs) underground gold he's he's new breed before that stress records with dave seaman Hmm. yeah he he probably represents everything that's the best of that era of music you know, your, your journey, your journey like you say, through that is about then deciding, do you start to put on events that are genre-led? Do you start to put on events that are genre-led that are going to appeal to a certain demographic, i.e. younger people that want to come out? You know, one of the big problems with genres um, in particular is that it works great if you're a DJ and you're going on Beatport and you want to pick a tune and it wants to be in a classification. Most people, realistically, if you went out and played them, A a set of music wouldn't be able to tell you what genre any of that was Mm. and I think this has always been something um, particularly with my DJing I would not find it very easy to describe what music I play because it would be, it could be anything it could be quite obscure, it could be something that is just a a standalone track but because I've put it in a style um, it it sounds like it's more progressive than it is Mm. even the other week looking at what Genres were listed against the tracks I used. Most of my music is like is actually deep house, weirdly mm. deep house, or like techno. It and and I think this is part of it is that with with progressive music, it's more a style and an ethos behind pushing the boundaries. It's technological mm. music that has got big sounds when software. That the djs use changes you get these new sounds you know it's very atmospheric it's very melodic but you, then you, you look now at what, what is described as melodic techno all these like big gigs tale of us is that not it, you know it's all oh yeah
1: i mean similar. totally I think you you're know, right
0: by labeling prog as being something that i think people think oh prog sasha and digweed 1996 97 like move on and, and and it's sort of got the stigma, hasn't it? It's got a little yeah. stigma.
1: I think I think we don't hear the stigma, or I don't hear the stigma that much, except for um so for those who are listening who don't know, I'm from Newcastle, but I moved to Cyprus and um in Cyprus I was one of the only people playing uh, you know, what you and I would call good progressive house. And on the live streams, people started knowing me for it, and then one or two clubs would book me to play it. And I noticed that the other DJs out here, weirdly, they're into Afro house, tech house, Latin house, um, you know, anything groovy or or, or rhythmic, um, you know, and 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 fitting progressive house into that. There's parts of progressive house in my library that I can I can carve into that. But actually, that was that was quite that was more challenging. Um, yeah. And 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 I have actually moved styles onto about a, a catalogue of about five other ones and play less progressive house, not because I don't like progressive house, but because uh, as it happens, I like a lot of genre. I love a lot of genres anyway. Um, but out here, uh, if I play afro house, Jack and house, tech house, deep house, uh, even funky house, the rooms are going nuts out here. If I play progressive house, it's more of a deep hypnotic um, yes. experience. And there's definitely people who love it. It's just I'm talking to about a hundred or two instead of like thousands you know, and, and I'm not saying I've got crowds of thousands, but I'm talking about the market size, you know, if that makes sense. Um, So I've had to adapt out here, or not not that I've had to adapt out here. I could have stuck my guns and I could have educated everybody and made a scene out of it, Um, but I'm on my own out here. I haven't got a team like I, I've had in Newcastle with progress on. So what works in Newcastle doesn't work as well in Cyprus. And even at the festival I played out the other week, uh, well, a few months ago now, um, that one had a couple of prog DJs on. It had Sasha and Digweed, um, and but the, the crowds were turning up for like techno, tech house, uh, afro house, and like you say, deep house. There's a lot of that sort of thing. And the problem with the genre naming is, I could say deep house, and someone hears a rhythm in their head, and it's not what I'm talking about. It could be yeah. a completely different word to them. They they'd be like, oh, that's you know Latin house, or that's something else. And and none nobody's always right, you know. So. Um, yeah, my- I, think, I
0: think I think you're right. I think one of the one of the interesting things that, that that was that was sort of prominent in my mind to talk to you about was exactly this change of culture that you've had because you know it's very easy for us when you've got grey in your beard and you've been clubbing since arguably a lot of this music sort of started. You know, for me, mid '90s. Mm. It's I've got a, a heritage of music in my head and remember times when actually it wasn't important, um, particularly who the DJ was, but you might follow a DJ because he, he was different. And you would listen to these sets with all sorts of music in them. And and you didn't know, you know, when I got into buying records, then I did, I guess, start to classify them because, because genres by definition are a way of classifying something so somebody could make the choice or distinction between things. But generally, I think, The UK clubbing culture is very genre-led, everything in the UK is very trend-led, you know, clothes, music, you know, everybody follows this trend. When you look at kind of culture in other countries, especially when it comes to rhythms with dance music, samba rhythms, different types of rhythms that aren't part of our culture, you can definitely hear the translation in other Mm. cultures. You know, Afro House is kind of an odd name, really, because what are they? They're just, they're just rhythms. Mm. And those rhythms are a lot more applicable. It's like when you first go to a Ibiza, you're like, what's this style of music? But it actually makes you want to dance. I mm. think that's the difference. The, the UK in particular, at some point, because of the trance element, the BPMs went so high that the music wasn't really danceable. And I think that's where some of the melodic stuff gave people a chance to sort of drift off because they couldn't actually pound the feet (coughs) on the dance floor to 130 BPM. I'm glad that there's a music that's kind of global. And I think I try and represent that in my music. When I'm mixing, I want to take these different rhythms, Samba rhythms, Mm. bossa nova rhythms, different types of things, because I remember on dance floors that they were the exciting bits of the night. Loads of drum, loads of percussion, loads of stuff. It was like wow what, what's
1: this Absolutely. What's it's um, like a it's like a it just makes people move it's got a groove. that the word is groove isn't it it's got a groove yeah. to it that some of the the transier and floatier elements in prog you know you can hypnotize a dance floor with that and I love you know you love doing that I love doing that um but you look at room one that plays like that and room two that's got the afro and latin and even Tech House Jack and whatever it is, it's got more rhythm and more impact and more dopamine that's getting people moving and feeling good. And there's more smiles out on the dance floor as well. You know, that's the thing. And it's tricky, it's tricky for prog DJs, I think, because I know a few, as I've been in the scene a bit longer, I've started to get to know the the, the more well-known names, some of them, and they, you know, they they do struggle getting the younger group in. Um, a lot of the people on their dance floors are the, are the seasoned clubber um they do better at places they do much better at places like london manchester or if you go to ade and amsterdam you've got a world of people landing in amsterdam who who, who love the music and i feel like Prague is much more of a global scene than a, a local one for some reason no no um, I, think,
0: I think i think you're right there's um i don't know if you've because you've been out of the country but um the skyline events is um at the hotel in glasgow which is just near um it's just near um, the arena there They've got a rooftop bar, a glass top bar. I went there ages ago and we went to see um, Beyonce at, at the arena. We stayed at the hotel just near it. And they've been putting on Guy J, all these different DJs. They're doing mm-hmm. really well. But again, it's like you say, the venue doesn't hold much more than a couple of hundred people. Yeah, And that's fine because, you know, if you accept that and that's what you want to do and you can afford it and your clientele want to pay and you can afford the DJs and that's what you want to do, brilliant. And they definitely, skyline Events, they have the top flight of what, you and I would listen to, Mm. but it does go to prove that there just isn't a mass market. I mean, it always (laughs) comes down to this thing, doesn't it? You know, underground, overground debate. If you made a song, if you, if you were a songwriter or a band or whatever, and you made a song and you went and you peddled it for six, seven, eight months at the same places, you build up a little following and the last gig you play, you get a thousand people there and they all sing along to your song. You're going to be like, this is amazing those bands that then transform into people like Coldplay, where a whole stadium sings your song, or it gets on the radio and the whole nation's singing your song, that's now gone into what you would call commercial or overground. But surely the whole point of what you were trying to do was get as many people to listen to your music as possible. Mm. So from, from you translate that into the DJ world, do you just pick out the biggest banger that everybody knows and play it? Well, no, because that, that's, that's commercial that's not the same. Mm. Do you want the biggest volume of people dancing and enjoying your music? You probably do. You probably do. Yeah.
1: And I think it's DJs not just are about themselves. the DJ. It's not just no. about the DJ. It's the the challenge. There's 200. This number of 200 people turning up to clubbing for prog is the thing that that you know. Glasgow's obviously got the same numbers roughly as Newcastle by the sounds of it. Um, who who would actually come out? And I think uh, that the the challenge. Everybody looks at the DJ in the room and they go, oh, you know." Um, you know the, 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 it's nice there's a nice vibe here but you know come and get it to 500 or a thousand now my concern is as someone who's run events um is is can the promoter make money and keep doing this will they still be there five years from now because you know there's a lot of promoters if they there'll be a magic number when they do a booking so if they'd have a room of 200 their break even on the tickets might have been like 112 and then they started to make profit um but you can very easily have a room of 200 be a room of 80 and lose money or a room, you know, uh, uh, you could accidentally compete with a big event that nobody knew was there and have a room of like 50 or 40, you know, it could it could crash. And my, my genuine hope for the industry is that, they, that whichever senior you're in, it doesn't matter to me, is that you get enough people coming that you sustain yourself. You don't be another person who's lost stacks of money because DJs yeah. cost two grand, five grand, 800 quid, you know, 1200 quid. they're not cheap. If they're a good dj um and that there's there's no regulation on what the agents are trying to charge they just look at, they say to, they say to a promoter for those who don't know if if you went to book sasha now they would say what's the capacity of that club what's the maximum yeah. capacity and if you say 400 they'll be like right that's gonna be um <clears throat> three grand and they'll work it out they'll say if you can sell tickets at 15 or 20 quid each then that'll work but the challenge is that's an if and you're not just going to book that headline you're going to have to have other djs on you're going to, you know you know you to hopefully pay them as well um, you might not pay a local dj some local djs will play for free just to be on the lineup and that but that's you know people coming coming through will do that um but you know the the, the reality is you've then got to hire the venue usually you've got to pay probably three to five hundred or a grand or two to hire the venue so your break-even point becomes really really high and, and i've seen before i ever got into the industry as a promoter Uh, which I never intended on doing. The reality was, I think I'd seen about like 10 or 15 come and go, like flash in the pan. Someone does a great booking, they have the best intentions, they hire the club, they pay the DJ the deposit, they have to pay the DJ about a week before the rest of the balance. And the tickets are on like 80 tickets and they need like 250 to break even. And then to save face, they usually go ahead. So then the promoters lost like a grand and a half or some number. And most of the promoters are not millionaires. You know, these are, these are people where that money is like, but they needed that money. Um, and they just assumed that by booking Sasha or some obvious name that everybody would flock and something didn't work along the line, whether it was the dates, usually it's how the promote works because there's a way to promote, um, that everybody isn't educated on because they wouldn't be. And that's, that's the challenge for promoters. So when you get someone like in Glasgow doing 200 capacity events, they have to be very careful to negotiate with that DJ not to charge the full amount. And usually the DJs and agents can be negotiated with, within reason. Um, But the ones that don't often people say, well, Sasha's available on that date, let's book him four grand, you know, and don't think about it. And then a few months later, they're, they're, they're in really, they're really stressed out and haven't enjoyed the event. Everybody else has enjoyed the event and gone "Oh, It was a bit, it was a bit quiet, but it was a great, great night, you know, and that's, that's what I want promoters to avoid. And, and it's so easy to happen. It's so easy for that to happen. Even if you're seasoned at promoting, it can still happen. It's happened to Shindig, it's happened to Luke. it's happened to all the big names at some point.
0: I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, the Newcastle, like you said, the Newcastle scene's got quite good heritage. In some respects, the North East is out on a limb. That's not a bad thing. It means that you can get people to come across from Sunderland, Middlesbrough, um, you know, up there if there's a big night. But things have changed like that, you know, coach loads of people driving up from Millsborough, mm. dropping off a couple of hundred people in the centre of Newcastle. Those days are sort of long gone. You know, a lot of the way things were done was through hard graphs, so people just knew that, you know, foundations down that street, it's on every mm. Saturday, consistency was right. You know, the lineup, the style of music, that was what you wanted. Um back in the day you didn't have particularly crazy kind of opening hours, which meant like people were out at all hours all over the place. You know, people generally did sort of chip up at a club at 11 and sort of went home by two, the latest three, because the licensing Mm. hours weren't much different. So you did have a concentrate of the right people in the right places. And of course we didn't have phones, which could show you all these various different options that you could be having simultaneously on a night. You know, if you, yeah. if you had a phone, <laughs> you know, if you told somebody in 19, or even in the year 2000, if you had a device on you that you could look at and see that the place up the road was busier now than where you are, would you go? How many young guys, young girls would go, yeah, I'd go instantly? You didn't. You went to the club. You knew where you were going. You went on a circuit. Once you got in that place, you were all in. I'm in. Yeah. This is where I want to be. This is where the people I want to be are, and I'm staying here. You know, so technology has probably had a a large part to play in changing things, but in terms of like you've named some things there, like the Loop guys, you know, good music, good ethos, um, quality, you know, rather than quantity, quirky venues, different places to be, Um, you know, people have tried to do a lot of things in Newcastle, and with varying success. The amount, you know, I think people. No Newcastle is a place to go out but I still think that especially people that I know that have come up who don't come up very often are shocked at how many bars and restaurants there are there aren't just Mm. a few there are millions Mm. and millions of people are occupying those dance floors those tables those bars you know who in the old days probably would have left there when it shut at 12 and went to a club that just doesn't Mm. happen anymore and also, you do have a DJ in the corner that can play a mixture of slightly commercial stuff. And then if he wanted, could, could play literally anything that's sort of a variant of that. So yeah. I think, you know, competition of where people go out, technology, people being in touch with each other to 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 organize things prior to going, um, tickets online, just the landscape has changed. And I don't think anybody can sort of hark back to this time and say, oh, I wish it was like it used to be. It's never going to be. This this idea Richard and I have got is not a new idea. We don't, we're not even pretending it is to do an earlier, an earlier evening works in mo- on multiple ways. It works for the club because they get a double chance. They can open earlier, employ some staff, and they can open afterwards to their regular crowd.
1: Mm. So
0: it works for them, you know, like you're saying, they can then negotiate a better rate for hire. If you DJ yourself like I do, and Richard does, but he also does promoting, you've you've got you've got some of that in your favour. There's no outlay. You're all the time reducing the costs. But similarly, like you like you've done with your events, you want to keep the ticket entry around seven pounds because you don't want to take the you don't want to take the piss out of people. Like mm. if your ticket entry is the price of a drink, there or thereabouts, people can accept that. when you're paying like 30 35 quid just to get through the doors you know that the cans of beer are going to be like eight quid and they're just cans of beer and it's full of thousands and thousands of people it's fucking freezing cold it's a warehouse dripping rain like in like the last time I went to Manchester I was like wow this is no experience whatsoever I'm in a warehouse but I've done that a million times I'm freezing cold there's nowhere to sit and this isn't that enjoyable, and every time I look down, the floor's uneven. Nearly breaking my. I was like, "Where's my thirty-five quid gone?" Yeah, and my thirty-five quid's gone towards the DJ lineup, like you said. Yeah. and it's gone into the promoter's pocket. I'm not being really thought about, you know. Yeah. So it, it is very difficult to try and get this very this sweet spot, if you like. Of you want to get a group of people together that still like the music. You recognize that you're a certain age. So most of your friends are a certain age and you can't go at it all night, every weekend. You, you no. can't babysitters, children, family, work, all of that comes before at a certain age, having a really good time. Yeah. So it's difficult. You've got to find, like I say this sweet spot to find the right price, the right people, enough people that if you can realistically put a gig on, you're not going to be out of pocket and you're not hoodwinking people into thinking they're going to get something they're not
1: yeah i think that's a really good point about the the, the hoodwinking element so uh, what i used to say to the guys in newcastle was uh, you know if we had a small vent, a small venue like colonel porters um versus like digital which we never did you know digital probably has 1500 capacity maybe 2000 and colonel porters the back room was like 120 And we would look at a lineup and and, and think, well, you know, we don't want to be charging more than eight quid, partially because we want to keep costs down. We want more people there. We just want people to enjoy themselves. Um, But partially, you can't charge 15 quid to get into the back of like Colonel Porter's in a small room because it's not that kind of destination. A club can do a degree, you know, they can probably go up to 30, 35 quid, whereas a warehouse, you know, 35 quid to go to a warehouse destination on a flyer and on, a, on the adverts looks and sounds appealing. People will pay it um, and, and, you know, digital, a lot of the time, I think you get tickets in digital for between 10 and 20 quid, don't you, to, to get in. I haven't been in there for a while, um, but they try and keep it about 15 quid because they know that the they the, the should get enough people in. Um, and, and then you get up to festivals and it can be like 80, 80 to 150 to 300 quid sometimes to get in. But that is, again, is a, a pretty, you know, a great destination event. You can market it really well. It looks sexy online. It's all that stuff. And, uh, you know, we've all in the Northeast, we know people, you know, the people that come out, they're usually working class people. A lot of working class, apparently, the the, the stats were a while ago. Most people have about 100 to 200 quid a month spare income to go out and enjoy themselves with after they've paid for bills and food. Now, after COVID, I don't know if many people have talked about this in your circles, but after COVID, we did a progress on before COVID and after COVID we probably did about four or five each side of COVID <clears throat> and we noticed once we'd reopened and we had that reopening that didn't happen where Boris Johnson said you could open in June and then he was like no no it's going to be July all the events that had booked in June for that reopening date uh, had the same problem as each other where they had to move the date and keep hold of the tickets or go bust mm-hmm. and um, we, we moved our event, but Shindig moved their event, Luke moved their event. And there was a stack of them on in August in the end, I think, because they had to get the DJ's diary to coincide with the event and all the rest of it. It wasn't straightforward. And um, what what happened eventually was people, you know, we've got friends, well, obviously people like, uh, you know, Trouty and we've got Stephen Miller, they go to loads and loads and loads of events, you know, they're, they're committed to the scene, they enjoy the scene and, Miller said to me once that he must have had about two or three hundred quid in tickets that, for things that had been rearranged that never happened, and he he has you know he he prioritizes uh, going out and all the rest of it. But a lot of people um, can can take or leave it, and they would like to go out and it would be great, but they're not like religious about it, you know. And 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 that demographic who aren't religious about it, eventually I think some of them lost their confidence in. Well, if I pay this event, um, is it just going to be another rearranged event because? the TV they're on about potentially, another lockdown. So there was that problem for at least six or 12 months after they reopened and all the promoters. So I was talking to Shindig, I was talking to loop, I was talking to people down in London and they all had the same thing. They went, they bought the tickets. They've either bought a ticket that was rearranged and 30% of the ticket holders didn't come to the rearranged date. Um, so he said financially, I'm fine, but the bar takings were down or, um, the, the the other thing that then happened was after enough of that rearranging happened was people then were, were, were thinking, I'm not going to buy the ticket yet because what if it gets cancelled? What I'll do is I'll book it a week or two before the event. Now you ask anybody who goes, who's above the age of 22, 25, if they can go out next weekend. They've already made their plans. They've forgotten about the event because their friends have got this christening something. something's coming to the diary. Uh, just normal life you know and 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 so the the ticket sales were going down because the delayed buyers who were kidding themselves that could book late were forgetting and then and then not booking and now we've got the cost of living crisis it's different it's a similar kind of problem but it's different in the effect that in the way that like people's confidence is lower so if you can do an event for seven quid that's great but you've also probably got to add in like the reassurance of what the drink prices are at the bar and one of the one of the venues we did this with we've only ever done drinks promotions at one venue actually. Um, and and, and it, it got people's confidence up and the venue said to us, we think that the spend has gone up because we've offered a, a pint for three pound 50 or four pounds instead of five. And we put it on our on our market as, as the prog event. And um, you know, there was a gin offer and a beer offer and a, and a mixer offer. And uh, we've tried to talk other venues into doing it and they haven't done it. But then I think they're missing the trick because if we can tell people to come because it's cheap, people will have that degree of certainty to book the ticket Yeah. instead of the question. Usually they never ask the question, what's the drinks prices? But if you know the answer to it, that, that extra 20 or 30 or 50 people more who will come because of that, you never know the number, but you've got to give it, people the confidence.
0: It, you're right, it's difficult. I mean, you know, it's, it's a bit like you say, if, if, if people listening to this that don't particularly know, know me as they don't know you, but they're interested in the scene, you know, my, my background is from hospitality. So, you know, being part of the bar, club, company, restaurant that own it, you know, you would work with promoters. You would be genuinely interested in trying to get as many people in your venue that suited your venue, the right crowd on the right night, gaps in the market, gaps in your um week spend you know back in the day when people could have the luxury of having midweek gigs you know you would try and support your weekend takes with good wednesday or thursday nights and you'd mm. get promoting to do that you know you'd have your regular promoters you know i worked with steve butler f- for years at, at beyond when he had cool note and he was doing different things there we tried defected we did loads of different things in that sort of space right up to when i worked for for Miller for, for tokyo industries for digital and and am putting on huge large events, and you know back then you had a promotions person for the bar and who would work with the different promoters. So what you're looking at, really, what I guess I'm, I'm explaining is there were multiple people all invested in making this work, and that partnership, you know, between either one or two different parties is absolutely what has to happen. Mm. You know, going back to what I said about when when I was in Cheltenham. When you then work for a bar and you turn around and you're the resident on a Wednesday night and they've got a spot and you say, right, look, you know what I'm like. Could you do a drinks thingy? Yeah, we've got a gap here. Right. I know that 300 people are looking to have a party. They're doing an end of media show. They want somewhere to go. Let's just let's just combine all of that together. Plonk. And and it's that combination of interests that works where where I think is is, is difficult is that, you know, venues Quite rightly, you know, nightclubs in particular find it harder than they used to because of the competition with bars. Lots of people these days eat out. People spend 30, 40 quid on a lunch. That that never used to happen. You know, you you would go out and buy a sandwich in the day while you were buying a new pair of jeans for for night on a Saturday night. Most Mm. of you, when you're younger, goes towards your social life. You know, Miller is a rarity. But bringing into context what you said about tickets, this is exactly what's happened to me. The, the, the whole thing that you describe about tickets being pushed forward those gigs then coming up do you know what we now can't make that date can we get the money back do we even care what was it I can't remember we had a stack of tickets on the side ranging from like Diana Ross to Elton John to Club Nights to Chemical Brothers it, you looked at it and you're like this is the maddest mixture of tickets that anybody could ever imagine. Yeah. But the reality was there was a year and a half between these things should should have been happening. And now you're going, right, hotel prices have gone up. So so now I need to travel down. I need to get a hotel. I need to do X, Y, and Z. What suddenly was an investment of 160 quid, say, for two tickets to see somebody massive, is now a 160 quid hotel all the rest of it, hang on a second, D- didn't we go on holiday last year for a grand abroad? What are we doing? And this, all of this happened, of course, over this COVID period, where people had got so used to being at home and probably getting a bit more used to their environment. And I think a lot of us were filled into thinking that everybody would be so desperate to come flying out the house and just be rejoicing. You know, I, you, as you know, I was so cautious about coming back out, I was so cautious that I cancelled my DJ gigs that I was going to be at. The knock-on effect of that was when events came up, because of that sort of nervousness, people who I'd arranged to go down south to play for, are now cancelling gigs like you say, because they haven't got any faith. People have waited and waited and waited, they've seen other gigs cancelled, so the huge ticket rise in, in purchase that they thought was going to happen two weeks before the event didn't happen, those promoters are then phoning me and saying, Danny, we're not going to put the event on. Do I don't get my train ticket fee back. See, yeah. If I've booked train tickets a month ahead to make sure that I'll be there, that money's gone. I'm not going to travel down to X just to go on a train ride.
1: Yeah. So,
0: you know, all of these things that you're talking about are, are, are in a way, and I don't mind saying this, this is the last ditched attempt for me to try and do this. Because if, mm. if, if Richard and I go halves on putting on an event, and like you say, what really what we're trying to do is get enough tickets to pay for it. We want the club to win. We want the club to be able to get money. We want customers to come in. We want people to buy drinks that they can afford. We don't want to have ripped them off at the door. If we can grow that slowly, we'll see the faces of these people, we can get to know this and hopefully create some consistency that is an option for people that cuts right through the middle of all this other stuff that mm. that's going on in 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 the world um you know we chose newcastle and we chose world headquarters i i've kn- tommy who owns world headquarters i've known for a long time the ethos, the ethos of that club is quite good culturally they look at things differently it's a good space. I really enjoyed the gig you did there. That that really made me think, yeah, this is the right venue, good sound system. You know, so I'm going to put my efforts in with Richard to do the best we can do. But it is, it is a risk. It's either a financial risk or it's a bit of egg on your face. But if you don't try, how the hell do you know? And, you know, with you guys sort of, and I don't quite know where you're at with progress on, but with you not being now in the market space, we looked and thought, well, all those people that we were dancing with Anthony Papa, where did they go? Hmm. Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? You know, musically, um, are we any different than what you did? Not really. You used to book me and you booked Richard. So the whole thing is probably about people going out, feeling comfortable in an environment, listening to good music, whatever the genre is, not not being ripped off and hopefully wanting to do that again. But it does go back to a more kind of maybe a bit of a more nostalgic sort of purpose for me, which is people go there and meet each other that they wouldn't yeah. see elsewhere. So it's different friendship groups coming together under that banner. Now, that's the that's kind of like the Disney story. But really, that is what I want. I, mm. I'm tired of live streaming i'm tired of maybe saying i'm going to do a gig and then it doesn't come off so what am i left with i'm left with saying well why don't I do, why don't we just try and do this ourselves if we do yeah, if I we mean, succeed maybe there isn't a market for this i,
1: I think the best thing the best thing any dj one of the best things any dj can do to in in this situation and we've all to some degree felt this situation you know i think any dj who's played out has felt this situation um and it's different if you're already famous. and you've got an agent booking you all over the world. That's not the same problem. They do have challenges, but it's not this. Um but you know any dJ who's who's good or wanting to get more out there is is it's it's great to make your own events. But there's a caveat to it. and 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 it's basically this. and I, and I'll say this to hopefully other promoters that are, you know, up and coming. They're not they haven't got the twenty year history of 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 doing monthly events like shindig and stuff have. You know, you need to get good at social media. You need to get good at marketing. You need to learn how to do vertical uh, video content, short 30 second to a minute snappy stuff. You need to give people a bit of a bit of the reminder that you're there. Not every minute of every day, but you could record everything on a Sunday and chop it into little bits so that for a month you've got content. That's the sort of thing, unfortunately, that the industry, you know, I don't want to do it when I do it. I didn't want to have to do it, and actually, I've started to enjoy learning how to do it. But most DJs will not do it, and it doesn't matter whether you're a DJ or a promoter. It's the same game in in marketing. It's been it's been in someone's face. You remember? You might you're you're from a marketing background as well, so you might remember they used to say on TV adverts, someone would have to see something seven times before they felt like it was their idea to go and buy a Kit Kat Chunky or a car or a whatever. Yeah. And now, because of social media, everything's grabbing for everybody's attention. You scroll down for a minute and you've seen like four adverts and a bunch of other people who are talking about an event or a DJ or whatever, you know, whatever it is, doesn't matter. But there's so much noise out there that you have to be able to cut through the noise with the social media content and also be repetitively there, but give people something that they enjoy. Don't hide behind a brand name. I don't find that that works. People like your face. You know, they like to feel that connecting with you even if they're not because they're in behind a phone they feel like they are um and i feel like that is something that most promoters who fail don't don't get and you know i i i fought against it for a while i didn't want to do it but my own my own reach is starting to grow and i'm getting like followers from some of them are local followers but some of them are all over the world and you've got to just take them all and ones ones who are local will actually come and see you obviously if you break through and become famous you'll You'll attract people from far afield, but the point still stands. You have to. People use their phone. Uh, I know you've got me on camera, and you're not going to see this on the audio, but they hold their phone upright. They hold. They hold it in what's called uh, portrait mode. If you're doing a wide landscape video, like we do on land, live streams, they're not. It looks ridiculous because it only occupies a third of the screen. So when I do my short form content, and it's just punchy 30 seconds or a minute of this is some tracks that excited me this week. Here we go bam you've got to treat the internet like they've got adhd you either grab their attention or you've lost them you know yeah and and i do this short form content but i do i took turn the camera vertically and do it that way because i want it to be wide but no one's looking at their phones wide they don't uh, sit with their phones landscape so you're right um,
0: and, and the irony of course of all of this is that we were told to do it landscape for so long
1: yeah and, yeah. and, I mean, it, and
0: it is knowing these trends and this is it you know we've, we've led naturally to this crooks is is that you know knowing knowing how to make something successful is not just you know it's like i say it's not you know it's not the sausage it's the sizzle
1: mm.
0: the sausage is one thing but it's yeah. the sizzle that excites everybody and, yeah. it, and it's, it's being able to do that but also understand the technology understand the trends within that technology within those different platforms also like you say, you know, chopping work up, making it TikTok available. Now, mm. I guess one of the things is, like you say, if you want to be in the race, you have to do the training. If you want to be in the race, you might want to win it. If you're going to be in a race and you're going to go all that distance to to get yourself in it, then you might as well do as best you can. Are you going to do well if you haven't got a decent pair of shoes? Are you going to do well if you haven't done any runs have you didn't done any races before? You mm. know, it's a bit like that. I, I agree with you that it feels like you can't just go in with sort of one strength. You've got to have a, a whole toolkit. Um, you know, uh, it's very difficult as well when you're starting things because you you haven't got a content library. You ha- you'd have to build mm. the content. You know, what's the best way of showing somebody how successful your event's going to be? Show them how good your last one was. Well, what if it's your first? <laughs> yeah. You know, where do you, where do you start? You also like we've said, these days being authentic is really important. So you're not going yeah. to go and film a crowd and then be a whiz on the computer and pretend that you were the one DJ in that crowd because chances are you're going to get found out. So, okay, you know, so can I be
1: controversial and disagree on something with this? Because
0: yeah, this is something
1: ahead. that ethically I, I didn't want to do this ethically. But when we had our very first progress on, we'd gone from my house party, which was about 45 people, which built from five friends to that over a few years, to then going public. And I understood very little about promoting, but I knew that the brain thinks in pictures and not words. So I got a picture of a rooftop terrace that looked similar to the telegraph roof terrace when we moved there. Um and it was a you know people dancing, sunset background. And I put my logo over it, not saying that's 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 film footage from our event. I never said that, but I just showed people this is roughly what's gonna look and feel like in it. People were dancing, there was a DJ, there was a sunset and literally as if you'd peeled it off the page that's what our event was when we did it I
0: mean just
1: to
0: to be clear there's
1: nothing wrong with that what you're doing people is
0: painting a picture of what it's going to be like to, to, to sell it you know so we're not confused I guess what I was talking about is in in the modern world it's very easy to rip things off and be very mm. good at technology, and people not know that that wasn't the real thing. Yeah, you, yeah you, you've done what people in marketing have done f- for years. There, you know, mm. is that is that, you know, is that person eating a Bounty chocolate bar on a hammock? <laughs> um the only person on that beach no if you pan the camera to the left there'd be a thousand people on the left hand <laughs> side and a thousand people on the right you've just told them to clear out the shot so no no it, you know being good at promoting and painting pitches for people you're very right and you have to be creative with content to get your message across i think that's important yeah you know the, the, the there's but you you are again you're 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 displaying their knowledge of something that is extra of what you're gonna do you yeah. know this is why DJs who just want a DJ have a promoter or an agent the agent talks to the promoter the DJ doesn't talk to the promoter. and this is why you know in, in the industry that I'm now in we're an agency because you're not gonna have a venue booking an expensive singer and chasing them for an invoice you have an agency that takes care of the paperwork, logistics, the insurance, if you like, in inverted commas, of that person not turning up, you get a replacement. It's all dealt with. And you can see why that works. So, you know, to come a tear down like like you've done, you do have to do it all yourself. Mm. You, you know, you need a range of skills. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's like, right, you want to be in the race. You, you need to be sort of, you need to yeah. be multi talented these days. Um, yeah, and I think
1: I think um, there's something to be said for with the, with regards to content for those of you who are listening who who don't know what to do. Um, first of all, I would I said, there's a guy on YouTube. I've just started following him, and he's bang on the money. His content is uh, about you know DJs and how to promote yourself today, like what to do with Instagram and Facebook and TikTok now. Uh, not that you have to be on all three platforms because you actually don't. But this guy, I'm just literally looking at my phone to find him because I've got some save videos to watch later so i found him on youtube he's a he's a channel called graham farmer so it's graham g-r-a-h-a-n-e and then farmer like a farm he he shows you how to do if you're a dj right now or and and, or a promoter what you can do on face on reels and there's all these different little tips and they're dead easy they're not actually that hard to do like how to put audio over a video and make something rotate and make it look good or how to talk to the camera in very quick succession and not bore someone off the, off the channel, you know, how to get a follower, how to do all this stuff. And I was watching it going, I wish I'd done this like like a year or two ago, because reels are not new, you know, short form, short form, vertical content isn't new. But I think to the DJ world, the good news is if you're listening and you're a promoter or a DJ it is actually quite new to this scene because people aren't doing it in mass yet. Fast forward two years from now, and you you know, you'll be you'll be joining a train that's already moving long, long left the station. But at the minute, I think it's a good time to start doing it. And um what he's great at is he teaches you a strategy of like how to plan your week and your month so that you're not sat doing loads of videos, you're just doing an hour's work and splitting it over a month. And that's yeah. something that I think promoters have got to get good at. And I know you, you know, you already know how to do live streams and things like that um but some people are intimidated by it but the reality is we've all got this phone this kind of iphone or android and we can all do it it's just usually an app or a a click here and a a do this thing it's it's not
0: i guess this leads me to the ultimate question really and 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 it's a burning question for everybody right what drives us to do this
1: it's such a great question to be honest this is the thing 20 what yeah is this 2022 so 20 years ago Promise and Shindig were on every weekend, right? Every weekend. Every Friday was Promise. Every Saturday was Shindig. All they did was poster around towns. They did posters on lampposts. One day I got in the car because uh, with Richard Tulip and him and another DJ drove between Newcastle and Middlesbrough and at every roundabout, we got out and fly-posted the lampposts to advertise it. And so much so that they got in trouble from the council, but it was absolutely effective because there was a 1,500... People in the club you know and not every week you know it was up and down but that's what you had to do and that was probably like you know you had to do maybe it's a newspaper article that people read newspapers then you know you had to do something on the chronicle website people read the chronicle website then there was no social media and they had their own forum like an internet chat forum um but but today you're just your job is to cut through the noise cut through the noise and all you all you and i want is like-minded people to share the dance floor enjoy The music and enjoy the dj have those special moments that you can't describe to people on a call like this and um and 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 just be buzzing about it and take your mind off whatever's going on in life for that for those few hours unfortunately to get from a to 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 b has several steps between it so it's actually like 8.1 8.2 8.3 and then 8.4 updated yeah Yeah. you know, it isn't as complicated as it sounds once you know how to do this stuff, but it's in- and it's intimidating when you haven't done it yet. And and um, I know you can do, I've seen you do some short form content, but what I remember of it, most of it, it's branded um, with yeah, Progressive yeah. House UK and people connect with people. So I would I would encourage you to, do, you know, talk to the people and watch the engagement grow because they feel the connection on the phone. Yeah, you're you right.
0: Know. I mean one of the things that you know i'm in marketing and you start with a strategy what do i want to achieve and you work out a strategy to get there however you get there can slightly change but you do work to a strategy you have milestones you have you know key sort of indicators as to whether you're being successful i think one of the mistakes i made when i started um progressive house uk was that i didn't have a clear goal in mind so i kind of went off and wanted to start podcasts that was that was what i wanted to do I was, I was switched on to what a podcast was. I was switched onto the fact that I wanted to try something different with my DJing and get it out onto a different platform than the ones that were available. And I also wanted to discuss my love of the scene and X and Y with people that I could meet. And at that time it was, you know, again, we talk about technology working at certain times with each other, you know, Facebook was a different space. You were able to say to somebody on Facebook, Hey, I'm doing this drop a link, people were able to go off or off from Facebook and enjoy content that you'd done elsewhere, but the community thrived on Facebook. Mm. And, you know, I'd got this idea, you know, again, not new, if I have this content and I can create conversation in the community space, those people that wanna get something uh, like a podcast delivered to their phone, they've not got to search for it. Now saying this to you now, it's four years later than when I started it. And it's only now that I realized that even though I'm in marketing, I definitely didn't do a good enough job telling people what I was actually doing because, you know, the, the, the podcast itself is a no brainer. You, you, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to different platforms. It will get delivered to your phone. So my message is to get somebody to say, you just need to subscribe. But of course, when you've got a community on Facebook and you're all chatting and you're posting stuff and you're posting content, there's a huge amount of people are there for that reason. Mm. And there's a huge amount of people, like you said, the seven times thing, maybe they just maybe they just don't get it. Maybe they just didn't. And then Facebook, unfortunately for me, changed a huge amount of its algorithms with people linking off. They were not keen for people to leave Facebook. Yeah. So posts would not travel the distance they did if you had an, an external link in it and mm. that really killed it the second thing that really damaged progressive house uk from a podcast point of view was the whole hullabaloo um with the licensing that we discussed before the ball. Yeah. overnight i lost 20,000 not a few 20,000 listeners a month were listening to our podcast through spotify that stopped overnight bang and it was like, what? So technology plays a huge part in enabling you to do these things. And the different community spaces that we were in was a way of telling people, look, you're real people, there's this happening and combining it all. But it all became very fragmented. Mm. and You know, the original sort of want and desire for me to do something I have to be really honest, was also because at the time I had a much more ordinary corporate job that wasn't creative enough for me. So so I was driven, because I said to you earlier, like what drives us, what was driving me was to be more creative, was to combine the love of my music, was to combine my DJing with these new technologies and be like, look, I want to offer something slightly different to people. But even in the marketing knowledge I had. I hadn't joined the dots myself because I didn't really have an end goal. I didn't really think, oh, what do I want? What am I absolutely trying to achieve here? And four mm-hmm. years later, I'm sort of sharing some of this with people that are closer to me that have gone a bit of the journey with me. And even they now get it, but you still need to know how to run a podcast, how to record, yeah. how to do the back end of it, how to do, um the right marketing to get the the right message to people to make them understand what's going on. And I get, I'm gonna give you a prime example. Everybody in the world these days listens to Stephen Bartlett's diary of a CEO. Okay. So number one podcast in the world on Apple, he comes on and even now years, years into it, he's coming on and saying 75% of everybody that listens doesn't subscribe. Do Mm. me a favor, please hit the subscribe button. 75% Yeah. 75% of people don't subscribe to the, to Apple's number one podcast. And he's Stephen Bartlett. He's a multimillionaire. Yeah. So it's no wonder I've been struggling. People just don't do what you think they're logically going to do. No. Even no. if you think but you've explained it, you haven't. So a lot of
1: people, I mean, I've been guilty of with my live streams. So all of my live streams are archived on my YouTube channel and some of my public DJ performances are also on the YouTube channel and all of the audio recordings of performances are on my SoundCloud channel. And one thing that I forget to do and all of us forget to do, I think at some point or other, is actually make the invitation, even if you're repeating it, you know, make sure that you say, if you want to keep up to date with it, please subscribe. You don't want to say that because you just want to get on with the music. But if you don't say it, you look at one person A who doesn't say it, they end up with 200 subscribers in a year person b who said it's got three and a half thousand because you know even though still 75 percent of the people who listen are not uh are not subscribers you still you've still done better than had you not asked yeah. you know you've not made the invitation and just talking to you about it now like i've completely forgotten that on all of my videos i've i've, I've uh, done you know on half the, more than half the time i've forgotten to mention subscribing or if i've done it i haven't done it in the first 10 or 20 seconds. I've done it halfway through, which is too bloody late because a lot of people are cut off after they're, yeah. they're off to do something else. You know, they won't, people don't listen to a three hour set religiously. They'll listen to 20, 30 minutes of it and start Correct, Yeah. dinner. You know what I mean? It, 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 you can't, you've got to get it done at the beginning. And maybe think, remind them later.
0: I mean, this, this is it. The, the, the sort of, you know, like I said, four years later, um, you know, I've gone back to what I was doing in year one, which is these sorts of, of podcasts. This is very different. I used to write the show, structure it out, write a transcript and do an interview, introduce a tune, give some um, industry news on gigs that were going on um, around the UK or, you know, of the smaller scene that we're involved with so that, that, that people would be aware. And the listens were good. They were really good. I was really, really pleased that some random guy could could sort of put together a show and you know record it do it all within a couple of hours produce it edit it put it together and put it out there and it was fine and somewhere in amongst that I decided oh do I want to keep doing this um and and decided to move away from that you know a few people contacted me offline and were like oh I wish you'd carried on with with that and you know, you don't sort of want to say to people, yeah, but it takes you like four hours to do it. Yeah. The irony, of course, of that is that most people don't know that DJs spend hours and hours and hours looking for tunes. I preps, I prep sets. I'm a prepper. I prep how, set how and much the next time when it. you
1: when you and I were doing weekly live streams, how much time did you prepare? Mental. One? Mental. How much time? It was nuts. I used to spend about like an hour to three hours on several days of the week before the live stream. Not only was I finding the music, I was organizing it, I was yeah. re- testing it out at home, and then I was making because of it, because it was a live stream. Unlike a club set, I was actually preparing the, yeah. the start, the middle, and the end uh, for yeah. most of them, and and that was because there's so much technology I had to look after in 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 the, in the chat room. I didn't want to be thinking about what the next track was. I exactly. Can't, I Can't be exactly right like that. And I got the tip from Digital DJ Tips, you know, Phil Morse He yep. said if you're a competent DJ, I urge you to plan your live streams because something'll go wrong. Yep. And you can't be trying to choose a track whilst you're fixing this or chatting in the chat room. You've got to engage right. with people and before you know it your tracks run out, you know, and and, and you can't uh, I I I took that advice and did it, but the amount of time I spent, man, I had to practice the set about 2 or 3 times just to feel like I was happy with it. So that's hours and hours and hours, and that's after I've found and downloaded and organized and categorized my, my music, and I, and I, locked in lockdown, we had time to do that because we were sat on our backsides. But correct, you know there's what I mean? nothing else to do.
0: You could dedicate. I mean, the, the, you know, the the old ten thousand hours rule. You know, so how does somebody become an expert at something, or how does somebody become completely proficient in something? They spend ten thousand hours doing it, whether it's mm. swinging a golf club, swinging your foot, taking a free kick, David Beckham, Tiger Woods, whatever. You know, for me, I, 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 like you, I sort of thought, right? Well, what, what I've got here is an opportunity to prep the set, put my markers in, do what I want to do. I'm happy with the set. That was quite a nice process, in fairness. Once you've got your records, quite a nice mm. process. But the reality is, you're going to be on camera, so like you say, you've got um, people looking at you. So there's an element in which you actually want to be um, free to enjoy it, interact, have the technology in place so that it's not in shot you know i mean i'm not giving her any trade secrets here but there's a lot going on like you said technology sound levels volumes that you need to be multiply thinking about if you're going to do it well and do a live stream a club
1: club performance is infinitely easier than a live stream it's not so techy and plus
0: the fact that somebody could play it back you know right. technically could play it back but what it did you know en masse what it did is it built up those hours of performance for me there'd be some weeks where i'd practice on my hand skills like how quick i could do certain things i would try mixes that were more difficult that would build up the time you know getting more proficient at doing it that when things opened up you went went into a club you're a better performer and you're technically better than you were before And Mm. it keeps you sharp. You're doing it live, so it's still that element where you you, you're keeping your pencil sharp, and and that for me was a huge reason to do it. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think we should, uh, you know, let's have another conversation. There's so much to talk about. There's exciting stuff coming up for you. Um, I've we've got this stuff going on. Um, you know, I I don't know where you're at with with progress on at the moment, but you know, well with
1: progress on. So we um we basically all that happened was uh, for those who don't know Sophie and I had a baby in August and Sophie was one of the team members of Progress On and in the run-up to that we all knew you know when we set Progress On up it was it was literally one year before we moved to Cyprus but at that point we didn't know we were moving to Cyprus it wasn't part of the plan it was just a job opportunity and um, and when we moved, Phil, Sophie, Alan and I said, we'll just see how we get on managing progress on with us at a distance, flying to the UK to see friends and family. And we'll do a progress on every time we come back. And it was it was difficult because we always used to love getting together and actually having like a meal and just getting a plan made and all the rest of it. And and because we we often had problems with uh, flights, can- well, not, not it wasn't flights, canter, it was all of the uncertainty around COVID and everything else. It was really difficult to be a team so we just said like after the may event uh, when anthony papa was on we'll um i think phil wanted to work with uh, richard tulip anyway we always knew that that years ago and richard was ready to do something with promise with him and um, and we will come back with progress on but it'll just be without phil phil will still always be there he'll always support us he'll play for us but he's um he's doing something with that it's not that progress on stopped it's just we it we're, de- we're dealing with a newborn baby and and we want to just come back when it's we're, right for us. We're
0: on a break to quote
1: friends. <laughs> we're on a break. So so yes progress on will be back down the line. Um it's it's just that having the baby um and and a newborn baby uh you know um is is, is sort of putting that first for the minute as yeah. as anybody does with newborn baby um but i feel like i'm missing out i mean a lot of our friends who are running events including yourselves you know i'd be i'd be there with bells on so would sophie um I know you if, would, if yeah. we, and uh you know it'll be back so don't worry it's uh it's something i'm actually very keen to do i really want to do a boat party in cyprus actually that's what that's what i really want to do a boat party uh sorry but that's that's not newcastle that's that's across in the mediterranean
0: wow oh, that sounds good though doesn't it yeah sounds it good does. well thank you very much for your time um I really, I really appreciate um, you giving me a, a couple of hours to chat and it's obviously nice to catch up. You know, I've got fond memories of of, of being at Progress On and watching the journey that you guys took and, you know, it was um, it was good to be involved in a small part in that journey. So, yeah, mm. I want to thank you and um, stay in touch. Best of luck with, with everything mm. in Cyprus. The beauty yeah. of a lot of the things we've discussed is that technology is easy. You know, you and I do ping each other and... We're not sort of estranged just because of a bit of distance that a, that a plane ride would take. So it,
1: it is weird. It feels like I'm connected to everybody, and I am what? What is it? Is it three thousand miles away from the UK? Something. It's a long way where I am. I can't remember the miles, but I think it's three thousand. I'm nearly touching like Syria and Lebanon and Egypt at the bottom, and like yeah. Israel and all yeah, that. It's, meant, it's mental when you look on the map. But there's so many Brits come here. It doesn't feel like I'm. Uh, that disconnected from the uk you know and uh well, that is the joy of social media as well though it's it's, of it's i love i love and hate social media i've just had a two-week break from it and come on today for this um but it's uh it's been a pleasure and um when is your event your 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 next event when is it 20, 25th,
0: 25th of february it's a saturday five o'clock till half ten at world headquarters newcastle you can go on the world headquarters website we'll be putting all the links on any social media that you see um all the links are on there and it is links you could probably click it directly from whatever content we put out so
1: yeah um and if any i I know most people who are listening to this are probably i'm probably connected with you if you want to connect with me i'm on nasa.alazawi on instagram uh and nasa alazawi music on facebook as well um, but yeah, get along to this event. I would be at this event if we hadn't just had the baby. <laughs> I'd, I'd be there in the flash. It'll be class. It'll be really good. And World Headquarters, that same room, like you you were there, stood next to me with it. It was yeah. a cracking room. Great yeah, sound system. Great and uh, because of the history with that room, I had to be sold on the idea of using it because it didn't used to be that great. And it's amazing now. I love it. It's really, yeah, it's really good. Great. But I think downstairs is possibly better than upstairs now. It's definitely in line with it. Um, you know, it's, it's not the same game. So, uh, but no, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Nas. Take care of right, yourself. Take care, and mate.
1: See thanks you later. You, Danny. See you later. Bye-bye.
0: So there we have it. We hope you enjoyed this show. We hope to bring you many more with different people from around our region or indeed in the UK who are making waves on the scene or have at least been doing things over the years that's worth discussion. So again, remember, if you liked what you heard, then please make sure that you subscribe and make sure that you leave us a review. Leave us any comments on social media and we'll be sure to make them up for but For now, thanks very much. And until next time, when you're in conversation with